your name. Can we just slip our hands to heaven this morning to welcome the presence of the Lord in this place? Lord, we thank you for another opportunity to be able to come into your presence, God. And we just pray that your spirit will be so strong in this place, Lord, that people's hearts and lives will be changed by your power and your spirit, God. You're welcome here, and we bless you. In Jesus' name. Are you hurting?
this morning. God, we bless your name, Jesus. You're worthy, Lord. Lord, we bless your name, Lord.
Jesus this morning. Amen. And we love him because he first loved us, right? He cares for us. Here's what we want to do. Right in the middle of worship, we want to give an opportunity for people to come up and get prayer. And right now, my ministry team, my prayer team is coming up. And as I was praying about this service and this whole weekend, I was reminded of the story in Matthew chapter 14. It's an interesting story. It's a story where Jesus, after he's done ministering to people, he sends the disciples in a boat across the lake. And the Bible says that Jesus goes off by himself to pray. But then in the middle of the night, the disciples see something really interesting. And it's something that looks like a ghost walking on the water. And as we know, that was Jesus walking towards the boat. And they were afraid at first, but as they got closer, they saw it was Jesus. And the Bible says that Peter, being who Peter is, said, Jesus, if that's really you, Tell me to come so I can walk on the water. And how many people know that's what Peter did? He jumped off the boat. He starts walking on water. Only two people have ever walked on water, okay? Jesus and Peter. But the Bible says that he took his eyes off Jesus. He saw the wind. He saw the waves. And what happened? Kind of began to sink a little bit. And the Bible says that Jesus came and he picked him up. How many people know that Jesus can pick you up? He can pick you up when nobody else can. He can pick you up when you feel hopeless, when you feel depressed. He's the only one that can do it. And the Bible says that Jesus, when he picked him up, he looked at him and said, Ye of little faith, why did you doubt? When he kept his eyes on Jesus, things were good. And here's what I felt today. I felt like there's a lot of people in here, maybe in a certain situation in your life, your faith used to be high, but now it's running a little low. Maybe you had strong faith for your family, for your job, for your career, for your kids, whatever. But because something hasn't happened, your faith has just began to decrease and decrease and decrease. Listen, friend, this morning, God wants you to know that you can trust in Him. God wants you to know that He will pick you up. God wants you to know that He can bring peace to you. He can bring hope to you. And He can give you faith. And if you're in this place this morning and you need more faith in your life for any situation, we especially want to pray for you. The altars are open if you need special prayer for, for anything. But especially faith. You say, I need some more faith in my life. I want someone to agree with me. We're going to believe that God will do it. Amen? Amen. Let's continue to worship Him.
Welcome to Church on the Rock. We're so happy you're here worshiping with us today. In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you are a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room where you will receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. So glad you're here, and we hope you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock. The journey of life can be difficult and confusing. Here at Church on the Rock, we want to help make your journey clear by connecting you to God, friends, ministry, and the world. We offer four classes on Wednesday nights to help you grow and stay on course in your walk with God. Our Connect class is for anyone new to the church or anyone wanting to get more involved. It's a four-week class to help you learn about the church, get connected to God, and learn about your spiritual gifts. The Spirit-Filled Life four-week class will teach you how real friendship with the Holy Spirit can change your life. The four-week freedom class is designed to help you resolve conflict, break bondages, and renew your mind. The Becoming a Person of Influence class will teach you principles of leadership that you can apply in ministry, business, and your home. Between our Connect, Spirit-Filled Life, Freedom, and Becoming a Person of Influence classes, there is a Wednesday night class for everyone.
Amen. Can we give Jesus some praise this morning? Are you happy to be here? No better place. Amen. Well, we are glad that you're here. If you're our guest this morning, welcome. If you'd like to know more information about our church or just get a gift, if you're new right after service, go to the Connect Room. We'd love to, to meet you and give you something. Also, if you've just joined our church or just started coming, you want to know more about the church, you want to get involved, you want to start serving, this Wednesday night starts our Connect class. It's a four-week class. It starts at 6.30. Pastor Mike and Ms. Sharon teach it. We would love for you to come and hang out. Also at 5.15, like always on Wednesday night, we have our meal. So come and be a part of it. How many people know life is about the journey? Amen. We do this thing together. So meet some people, hang out. Let's get closer to God together, right? Amen. Well, it's offering time, and I have a cool little story for you that one of our youth leaders shared several weeks ago. I want you to check this out. It says, a missionary once asked a new convert, Pablo, if you had 100 sheep, would you give 50 of them to the Lord's work? He answered, you know I would gladly give them. Pablo, if you had 50 cows, would you give 25 to the Lord's work? Yes, you know I would be more than happy to do that. Again, the missionary asked, Pablo, if you had two pigs, would you give one of them to the Lord's work? That's not fair, Pablo replied. You know that I have two pigs. Come on. It goes on to say this. Many people are extremely generous in theory, but not in practice. They say, if I only had a million dollars, I would give half of it away. This is simply not true. If we aren't faithfully given even 10% of our money right now, we wouldn't give away half a million dollars if we had it. Then Jesus goes on to say in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, he says, One who is faithful in a very little will also be faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? Is that not good? Listen, God's calling us in our life to be generous, not in just theory or not just hypothetically, but in reality. God wants us to be givers in reality, not just what ifs. Amen? And that's with our money, that's with our time, that's with our talents, that's with everything. God wants us to really do stuff, not just think about it, not just talk about it, not just think it would be good, but actually do what He's called us to do. Amen? Listen, we serve a God that's faithful, right? We serve a God that's true. We serve a God that's never left us or never forsaken us. And God blesses us when we're obedient to Him. Listen, I'm so grateful to be part of a church that's a giving church. Gives financially, sends people all across the world. Right now, Miss Linnell's in Mexico with the team, and they're ministering to people right as we speak. I'm telling you, when we give, our money changes people's lives, right? That's what it's all about. So I challenge you today and throughout this week, let's live a life of giving in reality. Let's live a life of blessing people. Let's share the gospel. Let's give offerings and let's bless people around us. Amen? Amen. God bless you as you give. And I heard a thousand stories of
One more moment. Just close your eyes and just really, the presence of the Lord is here because he declares he'll be there wherever two more gather. But you know, you can either kind of, just kind of observe or you can participate. So just take a minute here. Just close your eyes. Forget about everything else. Let's play real lightly in the background. And let's just stand in his presence. Just ask him to communicate to you, to speak to you. Just tell him you love him. Thank you, Jesus. sing to him like you're his child. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Amen. Isn't that a good feeling? Just being the presence of the Lord, his peace, nothing to worry about. You're in the palm of his hand. Amen. Well, before you sit down, and we got a Bible, kind of shake it a little bit. Got an uh, electronic device with the Bible on. Let's make the bookstores glad and the devil mad. Before you sit down, or as you're sitting down, or as you're standing back up, let's chop off some devil's heads. Na, 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 na. Wow, wow, we're weak. I don't think we're scaring the enemy at all. Isn't this a weapon? Then repeat after me. This Bible has the power to change my life. To change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector. Cindy Flector. Faith Inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'm going to read it later. If you believe that, give Jesus a big shout and a hand clap. Amen. And don't hurt anybody when you sit down with that weapon, all right? All right. Before we even start, I just want to remind us of a word it's attitude. 
You know, your attitude is very important. Your attitude toward the Bible will determine how much you really receive from it. Your attitude when you come to church will determine how much you take home with you or, or just what you're kind of expecting. But isn't it good to have a positive attitude? I mean, the Lord wants us to have a good attitude. He says, you know, we got to praise Him in all things, at all times. You know, there's a lady that woke up in the morning, and she looked in the mirror, and she only had three hairs left on her head. And she said, you know what? Today I'm going to braid my hair. And she did, and she had a wonderful day. Well, the next day she gets up, she only has two hairs on her head. So she looks in the mirror, she says, today I'm going to part my hair down the middle. And she did, and she had a wonderful day. Well, the next day she got up, only one hair left on her head. She said, I think I'm going to wear a ponytail. Yep, and she had a wonderful day. Well, the next day she gets up, nothing left on her head, no hair. And she goes, praise God, I was running out of ideas what to do. So anyhow... Look at your neighbor, tell them they got great hair or a great scalp, whatever the case may be. You know, a month ago or so, we knew Pastor John was starting a series called Heroes. And a couple weeks out, I had a, um, a schedule with an endodontist to have a root canal done through a crown that I have that's been there for about three years. And it's something when you go to the dentist and you're sitting in that chair waiting to be tortured, how you can get real sensitive to God. You know, I mean, you're just, you're, in case I don't make it through it, God, I want you to know, you know, I love you, Jesus. You know, I love my wife. I love my children. I love our puppies. I love my car. No, I like my cars. I don't love my cars. You know, whatever the case may be. But you're just a little more sensitive, uh, the things of God. And I'm kind of talking with him, and I'm thinking, okay, I got this message coming up. I'm just kind of by myself right now, waiting for the anesthesia to kick in. And, uh, and so I'm just thinking, and, and I get this thought, and it's like I hear this song from the 80s, I Need a Hero. Anybody know that song? I won't sing it for you, so you're, you're safe, all right? But I Need a Hero. And we're fascinated with superheroes, first of all, and I believe people are looking for heroes, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But I felt like God was saying to us that he needs a hero. He's saying, I need a hero. And you know, if you think, first of all, well, let's pray, all right? Father, we just want to thank you. You're looking for heroes right now. Lord, you use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And so we just want to make ourselves available. Speak to our hearts. Don't let us leave here the same. Let us make a difference in people's lives in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You know, I was also kind of thinking that for some of us, a sermon's kind of like getting a root canal. Come to church kind of a little nervous. And I don't know about you, when I get in that dentist chair and they get ready to do the knee, man, you just tighten up. So just relax a little bit, all right? But it's kind of like getting a root canal, and that's why I did that kind of joke just by itself, just starting the service with, that's your nitrous oxide. That's your laughing gas, okay? Kind of take the, the ease a little bit. And the prayer we just took, we just did the prayer. We didn't take it. I guess we gave it. But that's like your shot, to numb the area. So we pray to ask for God's grace to come upon us in case he reveals anything. Uh, but you know what? God doesn't reveal anything he doesn't want to heal. Is that right? And now he's probably going to do some x-rays and some surgery. Uh, that's what the Word of God does. It's like a mirror. It kind of shines deep inside you, kind of reveals things. And it's like a sword. It's like a scapel. It'll divide soul and spirit, separate things. You can kind of see, oh, man, I'm not doing so good in that area. I need to do better in that area. You know, I had this crown for three years, and it would just kind of flare up once in a while. But it was always sensitive to chew on. So for three years, I haven't chewed on this side. I mean, even oatmeal. I just would, this would be the only side. I, I just learned to compensate and just there was a way of life. 
And I feel like there's some people in this room today, you've had some hurts, some, some injuries, some offenses, whatever the case may be, some failures, and you've just learned to limp with it, kind of limping on through life. And God doesn't want you to limp. Amen? Forrest Gump, he wants you to run like the wind. Amen? Since the year 2000, there's been a hulking 50 big budget movies about superheroes that have hit the big screen. And the common thread in these characters all possess some superhuman abilities, like super strength, invisibility, the ability to fly, etc. And I know there's a fascination. I bet, matter of fact, there's probably 80% of the people in this room, maybe 90%, that have some sort of superhero stuff at their house. Any superhero pajamas? Anybody? Superhero underwear. We won't go there. What about masks or capes or maybe a Halloween costume of some sort? But, you know, there's a good chance maybe you bought it for your grandchildren. But there's this fascination with superheroes, maybe even these toy figures. But I learned in a youth group that uh, Matt Allen, one of our singers up here, and Shannon Hayworth, they said, no, they're action figures because they had collections of them. They're action figures. Men like action figures, all right? But there's been a fascination with super beings since the Garden of Eden, and it's left a huge imprint and a footprint on cultures. Uh, mankind's fascination, I mean, even with Marvel comic universe, even with them, it's not much different than Greek gods or goddesses or the beings of the Roman or Norse mythologies. Comic books have been around a while. One of the first ones was The Adventures of Obadiah Oldbuck, 1842. Anybody remember that? No, I hope not. But in the late in the 1920s and 30s, that's when you started getting a lot of superheroes. You started getting Buck Rogers, the Lone Ranger, the Green Hornet, the Shadow in 1938. That's when we, Superman came on the scene. And why does it seem like throughout the ages, people have wished to break free from the limits of this human existence and kind of something arises above just the ordinary, you know, cares of life and kind of uh, be able to do something great? Well, maybe there's something more behind that than we realize. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, God has planted eternity in the human heart. Now, in the complete Jewish Bible, the translation renders it this way. Also, he has given human beings an awareness of eternity. You know, I believe God's put something deep down inside of us that we realize there's more to life than what we see. A matter of fact, the supernatural world, what we don't see, is more real than what we see because what we see is going to pass away at some point. It's going to be burned up. And so there's something in us that knows there must be more. There's, there's something beyond this, and there's something even greater that I can do. As a matter of fact, it's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's you. God's looking for a hero, and I believe you're that hero God can use in this hour. Because, you know, it's getting close to Jesus coming back, right? So let's talk about heroes. God, ever since he created Adam and Eve, has been looking for heroes. Why? Because man always gets himself in trouble. The enemy gets him off, and sin gets him in a corner, and they get in bondage, and it got really bad, and Noah had, or God had to commission Noah to preach 100 years and build this ark, and whoever would you know, follow the word of the Lord would be saved. And then there was Moses that came on the scene. When, it, when God's children were in Egypt, and they were under bondage and in slavery, and Moses come along to help set them free. You know, whenever God sees his children in bondage, He's looking for someone to deliver them. I mean, people are in bondage more than ever. I mean, not just drugs and alcohol, just fear and religion and things that, you know, uh, all sorts of crazy things. And God's looking for some heroes. And it's always people that are ordinary, people that feel like, well, I can never do anything like that. And you can't. But with God, what? All things are possible. And again, he'll use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. 
You know, comic book heroes always seem to have certain things in common. They either have an encounter with something supernatural, radioactive, genetically modified, or maybe uh, their parents are from another planet or something. So here's three points I want you to, to grab a hold of to help you remember maybe what uh, God's heroes, us, have in common with some of these superheroes we maybe see on the big screen. Number one, heroes have an encounter. Let's say that together. Heroes have an encounter. In other words, at some point, these superheroes had an encounter with something, whether it was Spider-Man getting bit by a radioactive bug or Captain America who takes an experimental drug or the Hulk who takes a stroll down gamma-testing Ray Lane and has an encounter there. But God's heroes have always had an encounter. And if you'll think about it, Moses had an encounter with the burning bush where God spoke to him. Gideon had an encounter with the angel. Saul, who we now know as Paul, was knocked off his horse with a bright light and had an encounter with Jesus himself. Have you had an encounter with God? You know, I had a time in my life where I said this prayer, Jesus, come into my life. But you know what? Nothing changed. I just, I said that prayer more for fire insurance, more just in case I got in trouble, God would help me. But I didn't really follow him. I went on doing my same thing, trusting in myself, not trusting in Jesus. But then April 14th, 1984, I had an encounter with God. I said that same prayer, but something changed. And I had an encounter with God. That's when I realized I'm not even from this planet. I'm just passing through. And my father is the master of the universe. Amen? And he's got royal blood in our veins when you become a child of God. So I ask you a question. Well, first of all, how did I know I had an encounter with God? Because my life changed. Have you had an encounter with God? If not, you need to have an encounter with God by, first of all, inviting his son, Jesus Christ, into your life to change it from the inside out. And then you got to choose to follow him, obey him, and have a relationship with him. I tell you, you do that, things will change. Now I want to tell you about some superheroes that God put in my path, just average people that God sent across my path during life. One was on that day, April 14, 1984, when I was in a chapel service, and the man there, his name was Doc Ira Eshelman. He was the guy that started all the chapel services in the Canadian Football League and the National Football League. And so I'm in the chapel service before a football game, and he is there speaking and asks a very simple question. If you died today, would you go to heaven or hell? And I thought, whoa. That's the first I'd heard something like that. You know, I was raised uh, in a Lutheran church, went to Sunday school, took part in catechism, knew all that stuff up here, but it never got down in my heart. And I realized that day, he shared four things called the four spiritual laws. God loves me and has a plan for my life. Because of my sin, I'm separated from God. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I knew those three things through Sunday school. But the fourth thing that I needed to individually, personally ask Christ into my life, that's something I never did. And I did that that day, and man, things begin to change in my life. And so I had that encounter. And then God sent somebody else to cross my path, a lady by the name of Sister Mary. This is a lady that was in our church in San Antonio, was just on one of those crazy ladies that just grab you and start praying in front of anybody. You know, lay hands on you and just get all excited about Jesus. And, and, but she had a powerful influence in my life. And God, she was the one that kind of gave me this book and challenged me to speak scriptures out loud, which I've been doing all the time now. And it's amazing. When you speak them out loud, it'll carve them on your heart. You'll be able to remember them. And when you speak scripture out loud, that's what the enemy has to bow his knee to. You know, it can change the atmosphere when you speak the scriptures into, into the spirit realm. But anyhow, she, we were over at her house. There were some other people there. 
I think it was me and my wife, but we went back and tried another area of her house away from the people. And she got out her Bible and she spoke this over me. Jeremiah 1.4. She said, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign God, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and, you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. And then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. After she read that, she took some anointing oil and said, stick out your tongue. And I did, because the presence of the Lord, and she just poured that on my tongue. I'm going to tell you, watch out for those crazy ladies like Sister Dorothy, I know she's here today, that'll get on you and change your life, mess up your life in a very good way. I'm telling you, my life really changed after that point. I realized, man, there's something God has for me to do. Then there was another man by the name of Danny Bugs. Uh, he played with the Washington Redskins. He was one of those guys on our football team that just always challenged me in a good way. You know, I might be doing something that wasn't real Christ-like, and he just had a way to make me want to step up my game. And we were in a Bible study. We were going through the book of Acts talking about the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it had been about six weeks long, and this was the last one. And see, I was at a place in my life where I asked Jesus into my life, but there was no power. I mean, I was still following the crowd at times. I wasn't witnessing, and, and I had this thought, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to this Christian life. You know, there's something I'm missing. And I was thinking that in this Bible study, the last time I've seen this guy, he laid a hand on me, and he looked at me in the eye. He said, you want more of God, aren't you? And I thought, ooh, how do you know this? And then he prayed I'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. He started speaking in tongues. That's the first time I heard somebody do that. But it didn't scare me or anything. We'd been reading about it. But what I remember is I just began to cry. It was the presence of the I was having an encounter with God. I was having an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I said, man, I don't know what this is, but it's real and I want it. And I thought of that scripture in Luke 11, 11. Because see, some denominations that taught me that, oh, that's of the devil that's speaking in tongues, or somebody else taught me, well, that was just back for the disciples. And, and then I begin to realize, man, it's for now. I saw in this Bible study, it's for, for whosoever will, you know, for our children, our children's children. And I begin to realize that. And the scripture, Luke eleven eleven came up where it says, if you ask your earthly father for a fish, he wouldn't give you a snake. And it goes on to say, if you ask your heavenly father for the gift of the Holy Spirit, would he give it to you? And I asked for it, and I'm telling you, I received it. And my life went to another level in my life. And so you have to have an encounter with God. Number two, you got to face your fears. Let's say that together. Face your fear. Every hero had to face their fear. Now, Batman was more of a regular human that did amazing things to fight injustice. Jesus did a lot of fight to injustice, didn't he? And I promise you, he's coming back, man. So Batman was this superhero that started when he was a young man and fell in a cave, had a traumatic experience, very dark and scary, and he was waiting for somebody to try to rescue him, and then all these bats leave the cave and start flying by him, and he's just freaking out. And then he begins to have these reoccurring dreams about bats. Well, he goes overseas and, and learns martial arts and all this stuff, but he comes to this place where he has to do what? He has to confront his fears. He has to kind of get past those if he's going to do those amazing things that he wanted to do. And then he had the experience of seeing his parents murdered uh, right in front of his eyes. So he decides he's going to fight injustice. He eventually had to confront and overcome his fears. Every one of God's heroes had to overcome their fears and insecurities. Everyone had to. Gideon was hiding in this wine press 
and hiding because he was so fearful. And this angel Lord shows up and says he's going to help do mighty and great things. And Gideon makes excuses. He says, wait a minute. I am a runt. I am the least from the least of the families. It's like saying, man, our family is so poor. Does anybody remember Johnny Carson? What would they say when he said, their family was so poor. How poor were they? Well, his family was so poor that his mom would go to McDonald's and put a milkshake on layaway. His family was so poor, a tornado hit their home and did $10,000 worth of improvements. Anyhow, we better move on there. Then there's Moses. Even though he was trained and educated in some of the greatest schools in Egypt, he told God, I can't communicate very well. Matter of fact, in Exodus 4.10, it says, Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. You know what it says in Acts 7.22? Moses was eloquent, educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and was powerful in speech and action. You know, sometimes our fears become our excuses, and we just make a bunch of excuses, don't we? You know, when I got called to ministry, when, I, when God tricked me into ministry, as I kind of say it, I... April 14th was the day I went to that chapel service was in Jacksonville, Florida. I go back the next year, and that same man there, Doc Ira Eshelman, and we're talking afterwards. I'm telling him my life has changed, and he shares about this ministry that he oversees called Sports World Ministries. He sends athletes all over the nation to speak to public high schools on drug and alcohol prevention, and they share their testimonies. He tell them about the fi- he's telling me about the financial need to, you know, airfare to send all these athletes and all the food to feed them and take care of them, and so, you know, I'm realizing, man, I need to get my finances under the Lordship of Jesus Christ now, and I'm not really involved in local church yet. And and so I'm basically telling him, yes, I will support your ministry financially. And we leave, and everything's fine. And four weeks later, I'm in the locker room, and my buddy Mike Hagan, who just went to be with the Lord this year, only 55 years old. I'm telling you, you're not promised tomorrow. Thank God he was serving the Lord and doing a great ministry. He worked with the power team and had his own ministry, Mike Hagan's strength team. But he comes in the locker room, and he's all excited. He opens this flyer up that's got him, Rich Garza, and myself, our pictures on there, that we're going to go all over the nation speaking to high schools. And I freaked out. I got mad. I said, well, I didn't tell him that. I said, I'd give him some. I was mad. I said, I'm not, I can't do that. I don't have a testimony. You know, I can't speak in front of people. I was making all these excuses. And, and he said, man, we got to pray about it. And, of course, he felt, and I just, I tried to pray, but I couldn't get anything. And it was just like, I got no choice. You know, I just need to go. And even when they were training us in our testimonies, it's like I couldn't come up with it. It's midnight the night before, and I know the next morning my first public school is waiting for me. 480 students are going to be there, and I get there, and there's an ACLU attorney in the front row just waiting because I literally shared my, because I was just telling my story. Oh, this is what somebody said to me. They said they need to ask Jesus in my life, and this is how... And anyhow, but God's grace was there. I was able to communicate and do a good job. As a matter of fact, 70% of those kids, we couldn't say the prayer out loud, but we'd say, you can repeat this silently in your mind, but if you really meant it, put a check mark and somebody will follow up. About 70, 80% of kids would put check marks because they're just hungry for something, hungry for God. And I'm telling you, my life went to a whole other level right there. But here's number three. Uh, if you're going to be a hero, heroes have to embrace their call. Let's say that together. Heroes have to embrace their call. 
What keeps you from the call of God? What keeps you from the will of God? What keeps you from God's destiny that he has from you and fulfilling that? What keeps you from operating in the power of God? The Bible says believers will lay hands on the sick and the recover. Any believers out there, when you begin to operate in the power of God, especially in these end times, maybe you don't know who you are, or maybe better yet, you don't know whose you are. Again, you're a child of the master of the universe. He's calling you to be his servant, his ambassador, his disciple, his child. And I'm telling you, with him, you can do great things. And there's nothing more exciting than really stepping out and sensing God moving through you to help people, to see people's lives change. Because guess what? The kingdom of God is inside you, just waiting to come out. Any amen on that one? Amen. amen. Matter of fact, 1 Peter 2, 9. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. A couple key words there, chosen and called. That word chosen is the word eclectos. That means to be hand-picked out of a larger group for something special. Called is kaleo. That means to be invited or summoned, and then church is ecclesia. That's God's body, his own special people. He's calling you to step up and do some great things for him. You've been called. You've been handpicked. You've been chosen. But I think there's two things that keep us from God's purpose and plan. The number one thing is selfishness. I'm telling you, when we're praying prayers like, God, help me. God, do this for me. It's got to switch and say, God, what do you want me to do for you? You know, there was a, a time, even in ministry, I was praying prayers like, God, we're getting ready to do this event. God, come and get involved with us. Come and help us and, and make this event a great, a great thing. And then I began, I think it was a, a Bible study called Experiencing God, where, hey, why don't you find out what God's doing and get involved with him? Amen. I'm telling you, things can really change when you do that. Selfishness, whenever we are on the throne instead of Jesus, and I spent a part of my, you know, that's a challenge every day. I mean, you got to decide to die daily because self wants to hop on the throne and say, we're going to do this today. And you got to say, hey, wait a minute. We're going to follow Jesus today. But it's always worth it when Jesus is on the throne of your heart. It really is. You know, you can tell a lot sometimes by the way you worship. Just thought I'd throw that one in there. That's kind of an x-ray. You know, we're so nearsighted that we really can't see the true rewards that God has for us. There's rewards. God's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He, likes, he loves to reward people. And a matter of fact, not just in heaven, but the Bible says those that give up houses and home and friends, he'll give 100 times even in this life and the life to come. Amen. Would you rather have a nickel now or a dollar later? I used to say that to our youth group to try to tell them, you know, about, you know, uh, it's worth studying and doing things now to, you know, have a better future. But, you know, the nickel and dollar don't make, do much for us now, does it? Walk right past that. What about $10 and $100? It makes us think a little more. Would you want $10 right now or maybe wait a little bit and get $100? Can we still get a happy meal for $10? Is that possible? Okay, get them while you can. Minimum wage is going up. Never know. But we're so in the moment. We're so we want to harvest now, instant harvest. But, and it's like, well, it just seems more exciting following the crowd than maybe following Jesus. All this short-term thinking, and we just really can't see the reward of it. But you know what? There's a reward to those who wait on the Lord. It's worth sowing into righteousness. It's worth sowing into uh, peacemaking. It's worth waiting on the Lord, trusting and relying on Him. It really is worth it. And guess what? God has left the future of other people in our hands. That's a, a powerful responsibility. Think about that. I mean, first He started with just 12 people. He gave it to them. Here, spread the message to all the world. 
And he says before he's coming back, this message has got to get to every nation. And it's getting close. It really is. And so we've got to do our part to get the word out there. Because God wishes what? That none should perish and all to come repentance. He really does. Second thing besides selfishness that could keep you from fulfilling God's, you know, will and purpose. You know, there's fear and other things. But the other one is guilt. What do you do when you do something wrong? How do you respond? Do you walk away from the cross or do you walk toward the cross? See, when you walk away, that's condemnation. The enemy pushes you away and says, you don't even need to go to church. You're a hypocrite. You can't read your Bibles. Everything that pushes you away. Conviction draws you toward the cross. God gave me just a quick little example this weekend. It was Saturday. I walked in just to pray and kind of go over the Word. And, and I walked in. It was bright outside. It was total dark in here, except there was a light shining on that cross. So when I come in, I, you see the cross. But then I got to get to the back of the church, hit the light switch, and it's pitch black. And I get my phone out, and I got my light on, and I still can't see. But I knew the aisle was here, and I kind of found it, and gradually I made my way back, turned on the light. Okay, so then I get ready to leave, and I shut off the light, and I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be dark. And I was surprised. I turned to walk out, and just that light from the cross lit up that whole path. And I was just able, and all of a sudden, it was just like, ding. I'm telling you, when you walk toward the cross, the light will turn on. And today, for some of you, that means you're going to need to come to this altar and let somebody pray with you. you got to get out of that darkness. I'm telling you, the enemy's thing, he always wants to keep things secret. He always wants to keep it in the darkness. Sometimes you just got to confess it and get it out. And whether it's confessing it to God, number one, but sometimes, amen. you got to come to somebody and say, man, I need help in this area. The enemy always wants to, oh, nobody will find out. I'm telling you, it'll be on the front page of the paper if you keep hiding it. Uh-oh. You know, the devil's going to twist and manipulate your past failures to keep you from doing God's will in the present. He'll, he'll try, he wants to handcuff you and keep you from doing anything now. You know, God's forgiveness will allow you to move forward because others depend on it. There's some fathers in here. You've got to get past whatever it is because there's children dependent on it. You know, there's some people in here. Your relatives are dependent on it. There's some coworkers dependent on it. I'm telling you, receive God's forgiveness. Forgive yourself. Otherwise, it's going to haunt you. And God can help you do that. Amen? Okay, so we had our three points. Now we got our acronym, all right? Bonus round today. It's a short word. It's HERO. Say HERO. hero. Okay, the H stands for helping others. Let's say that together. Help others. Heroes help other people. I mean, it doesn't take that much to help somebody. A little time, a little energy, a little effort. And I'm telling you, they're all around people you can help. And we just got to look for that opportunity and give God the glory for it. You know, a little secret, the dream that God has in you is the ministry God has for you. There's probably something inside of you that you're passionate about. And if you look at our ministry guide, there's some crazy things in there. You know, there's a motorcycle uh, club we have in there. I mean, we got people with uh, a Christian Motorcycle Association. I mean, you would not believe, ask one of them one time, what they're doing across the world. The Bibles they send out, the churches they start. And you see, got a passion. We got a guy that's, that has a passion about street hockey, and he's got a ministry in there. You know, whatever it is, you can use that passion and draw people in and, and point them to God. It's amazing what you can do with those passions God put in you. Say, I am a minister. Sounds kind of strange and powerful, but the word minister just means servant. God's called you to serve and help other people. Galatians 5.13, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. 
That word serve is a command. It's not optional. It's a matter of obedience. It's something we need to do. You know, we actually have a class that Pastor Travis had mentioned, the Connect class. It starts this Wednesday, only four weeks long. And one of the classes, part of that class, is discovering your spiritual gifts. You can go onto our website. There's a spiritual gifts test. It goes through our coaches. Our coaches meet with you, help you find out how you can serve God in your community, in your church. You know, get in position where it's exciting to do something for God. Because why? Because you're using your spiritual gifts that God's put in you to do something to help other people. Okay, the next letter is the letter E, and it stands for encourage people. Let's say that together. Encourage people. You know, in 1970, Diana Ross came out with her first solo hit, and when she'd have a concert, she'd have people hold up their hands, reach across the auditorium, and touch and hold hands. Anybody know the name of that song? Reach out and touch somebody's hand. Make this world a better place if you can. I'm gonna re- I didn't realize these other lyrics. I never really heard them or, or saw them before. And I will save you the trouble of me singing it. I'll just read them to you, okay? <laughs> Take a little time out of your busy day to give encouragement to someone who's lost the way. Or would I be talking to a stone if I asked you to share a problem that's not your own? We can change things if we start giving. Why don't you reach out and touch somebody's hand? Make this world a better place if you can. Man, as Christians, that ought to be our motto right there. Amen. And I'm telling you, the more you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, the more he's going to give you the ability to love and encourage people. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hebrews 3.13. Listen to the other word he has for you. It says, but encourage one another daily. Daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know, I got up this morning thinking it was going to be tomorrow, because it was tomorrow yesterday, and it it wasn't yesterday, so I want to confirm today's today, all right? And today's a very important today, because today's the only day you can get saved. The Bible says today's the day of salvation. I mean, today's the only day you're really going to be set free from some things. Today could be the only day you get the power. I mean, it's very, look how many times God says today in the Bible. I mean, the enemy always puts it off till tomorrow. Today's the day, men, we can be better husbands if we just ask for God's grace today and start taking the steps we need to, whatever it may be. But today's the day. You know we live in a broken world where everything calls us towards selfishness and despair. Sin steals our joy. Our bodies break down. Our plans falter. Our dreams die. Our resolves weaken. Our perspective dims. But you know when the church is absent, when encouragement is absent from the life of a church, I'm telling you, that's when people feel unloved, unimportant, useless, forgotten. But God knows his people need a daily dose of encouragement. Grace-filled reminders that he's for us, not against us. You know, that greater is he than is us, than he's in the world. He, we need those reminders. And he says every day until his son returns. And again, I'm telling you, he's coming back, man. He really is. He's looking for a church, victorious church. The letter R stands for reconcile relationships. Let's say that together. Reconcile relationships. Two big words. 2 Corinthians 5.17 might help you understand it better. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ Jesus, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed us to the message of what? Say it again. Reconciliation. Reconciling relationships, getting people back in harmony with each other, whether it's you know family members or, or friends or whatever, but especially that relationship with God. 
But, you know, there was a story of two men, two brothers that had farms, adjoining farms. They used to share things and get along good. Something happened. They got at odds at each other, and everything went south. Didn't communicate anymore, didn't share anything. And one of the brothers, let's call him John, got a knock at his door, and it was a carpenter. And he said, hey, is there anything I can do for you today? Any work you got for me to do? And he said, you know what? I think I do. Come out here. And they go out. And there was this low spot. He said, you see that? That used to be a meadow till my brother took a bulldozer and cut a path through there and made a creek to divide us. And I knew he did that just to make me mad. So what I want you to do, you go out there and build this fence. I mean, I want you to make it a wall. So I never have to see his property again. I never have to see him again. So the carpenter goes out there, works hard all day long. Gets done, comes back to the farmer, knocks on the door. The farmer said, well, let's go take a look at it. They walk out there. He looks. He does not see a fence. He's looking around. He sees a bridge. And the other brother saw the bridge, was so moved by it, they met on the bridge, embraced, and everything was well again. Well, they looked at this carpenter, and they, they want to ask, hey, stick around a while. And he's picking up his tool. He says, no, sorry, I can't. I have other bridges to build. Does he have a bridge to build in your life? We're just going to wait on that one a little bit. It's not worth having some sort of an odd against a family member, uh, you know, a neighbor or somebody, it's not worth it. It's you're the only one that's going to suffer. You're the only one that's going to be held back from God's best. The enemy will use an offense as a bait to just keep you in bondage. Get free, amen? And we need to help people reconcile relationship, but especially that relationship with God. There's people mad at God. People don't even know God. It says in uh, the book of Joel, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. That means they're asking questions. Is there a God? You know, why am I here? Man, we have the answer. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're the ones that can give him and point him to that cross. Amen? Last letter. Last lap. The O stands for overcome obstacles. Let's say that together. Overcome obstacles. You know, people throughout history have overcome obstacles and accomplished great things. Matter of fact, in 1789, William Wilberforce went before the British Parliament and cried out that men and women shouldn't be sold and handled like farm animals. But for 18 years, each year his bill was defeated until finally in 1833, four days before his death, the Parliament passed a bill completely abolishing slavery. You know, in the late 1800s, two brothers, Orville and Wilbur Wright, they declared, hey, it's the age of the flying machine. But 10 years of failed experiments after that until finally, December 17, 1903, they made history when their small biplane left the sandy beach at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. And then in the early 20th century, you got Henry Ford standing in front of a ragtag bunch of employees and making a declaration that all of America is going to be able to have an automobile. Well, the nations laughed at him until about 15 years later when millions of Model T Fords rolled out at a price of just $290. But let's get a little more personal. Let's get right here in our church. What about Terry the Terrific Anderson, who God had delivered from a, a life of, of drugs and alcohol, and God set him free, and now he leads our Celebrate Recovery ministry that we have on Friday nights. Amen. I'm telling you. Along with Randall the righteous Roy and his wife, and Wes the wonderful Bolin, who help him out. But what about Ron the gas man Glazier? With one single tank of gas, can put 40 people in his suburban. Not that I condone that or recommend that at all. But he brings them to church. They get baptized. They get saved. And then there's Linnell Miller the Magnificent, who even though she went through breast cancer, even while she was having her treatments, went on a mission trip. And now cancer-free in Mexico doing ministry for the Lord. 
Give these heroes a hand, amen? And not counting the 200 people it took last week to handle this Easter service and see all those results we did, the people getting saved, the people getting baptized. I'm telling you, there's a place for every one of you to do something great for God. It's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's you doing something great for God, amen? amen. You know, if you wanna be an overcomer, a hero, you need special power. You need some supernatural power. And guess what? That same power, that same dynamite power, that same dunamis power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is here to quicken your mortal body. Amen. It's called the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's all over in the book of Acts. See, when you're saved, you're kind of like Clark Kent. You're a pretty good person. But when you see the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Superman or Superwoman, you just well rip off the cape and go for it. You know, it is a separate experience. There's two gifts that God gave me. One was the gift of salvation. I could not do one thing to earn it at all. It's a gift. I had to surrender my life. The second gift was the gift of the Holy Spirit. When that guy laid hands on me and said, you want more of God? I'm telling you, that thing just sent me. That's when, see, I, I wasn't saying no to the crowd a lot of times. I was following him. I didn't have power to witness. And I'm telling you, he gave me the power to be a witness. He really did. Let's read in Acts 19.1 and show you it's a, different, it's a separate experience. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard there was a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They spoke in tongues and prophesied. I ask you, have you received since you believed? Do you want more of God? Have you been filled? Is your house empty? Because if your house is empty, that's when temptation can come in. What's your kryptonite? What's your sin? What's your temptation that keeps holding you back from doing great things for God? Again, temptation can't come in unless there's room. Just a real quick example. There was a town that built a canal for the boats to go through. Well, it got so overcome with weeds, they couldn't even use it anymore until they planted some willow trees along the edges. The willow trees took all that nourishment from the weeds, and the weeds disappeared. Kind of a real-life parallel. F.W. Borum was asked this question. When we are harassed by so many temptations that give us no rest, what's your secret? He said, when temptations come knocking at the door of my heart, I always answer, this place is occupied, and that's the end of it. Are you really filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? First, you get saved. You ask Jesus to come into your heart because he's the one that's going to baptize you, Holy Spirit. You have him clean it out, empty that house out of selfishness and really choose to follow him and then come boldly filled in grace and say, God, I need this gift. I need your power. And a lot of times ask somebody to pray with you. They'll lay hands on you like it says in the Bible and agree with you. And then just leave the results up to God. We say, well, don't I have the Holy Spirit when I ask Jesus in my life? Yes, but you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me give you this kind of example. It's like a house that's clean versus a house that's furnished. See, at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes, cleans out the house, dusts away the filth of the past, vacuums up the little crumbs you sweep under the rug, even dis disinfects the dirtiest of mouse. And then, because he wants a clean house, a clean heart. Why? Because Jesus wants a clean house to live in. Okay, what happens when you move into a new house? That's when you furnish it. That's when you put up pictures and furnitures, things to help you function on a daily basis, maybe a refrigerator stove and some food to help you live more comfortably. See, when you're asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and gives you the tools to live this everyday life. 
to live above this natural thing. You don't have to. I mean, his commandments are not burdensome. You don't have to wallow around with the turkeys when you can soar with the eagles. Amen? He gives you the power to do that. One last example is Nick's coming up, Pastor Nick. This glove, we worked on it yesterday. We're seeing we do it today. Okay, Mr. Glove, pick up my Bible. Come on, Mr. Glove, pick up the Bible. Think he's going to be able to do it? Not on his own. But what happens here? We do something like this, and now all of a sudden Mr. Glove can do some amazing things, right? Pick up a Bible. Simple thing. I've probably shown it before. But I'm telling you, that's what we are without the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, God wants to fill you up so he can do great things with you. He really does. So I want to ask you a few questions as we close. And in these questions, I want you to respond by raising your hand to God. Not to me, not to this church. You're telling God, hey, I'm, I'm going to ask you for this thing that we're getting ready to pray about. First of all, how many of you feel like there's something bigger you can be doing for God? I'm raising my hands on that one. I, I'm feeling that more so this year than any year before. Why do we feel that? Because we know the time's short. Now, how many could use more of God's power to be able to do that? Hold up your hand and wave at him. Now, specifically, there could be some in this room, you've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you want that gift, or you at least want God to begin to set up the stage so you can get in that position, whether it's, you know, dig more in the book of Acts and find out. We got a little track back in our connect room called uh, the Baptism of the Holy Spirit. That we got a class. Our second class is called the Spirit-Filled Life class that, that Joe Williams teaches. And it's on the book by uh, Robert Morris called The God I Never Knew, a Baptist background. And, and realize there's another facet of God here I didn't realize about. How many could just feel like, you know, this might be the more I'm looking for. You just kind of tell God that by raising your hand. And the last question is the question somebody asked me April 14th, 1984. If you died today, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? Are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? If not, in just a moment, I ask you to raise your hand. And by raising your hand, you're not voting for me. You're not joining our church. What you're saying is, God, I'm giving you permission. I want to have an encounter with you. I want you to, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. I'm giving you permission, and I want to follow you. I need help turning from my ways and following you. Now, that's whether you've gotten off course, and you just know you're not following him right now, or you've never asked him into your life. On the count of three, I want you to hold your hand up and hold it up there a little bit. And we're going to say a prayer for you when the service is over. One, two, three, if you need to get things right with God. God bless you. 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 Anybody else need to get right with God? Just hold your hand there a minute. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet right now. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to have our altar team come up here. Some of you need to come up here. And there was one thing in particular. Some of you, the best way I could put it, and yesterday I felt the Lord saying this, it's like you feel like you're in chains and you just are like a bungee cord and you just can't break free. You just can't break free out of whatever it is. Maybe your past, maybe, uh, you know, whatever it is. And I believe God said the lock to those chains is here at this altar. That means your freedom is waiting here. Yes, you'll have to take a step. But you know, you take one step toward God, He'll come running to you. Our altar team's here right now. So I want you to come to the altar if you need more of God and you want somebody to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, tell them that and they'll agree with you and ask God to fill you. You might want to come up and just stand around the edges and just worship and ask for more of God and just ask His light to shine on you just so you can get a better idea of what He has for you. But if you raised your hand 
to ask Christ in your life to get things right with God, when Pastor Nick starts singing, I want you to meet me over at that cross. And we're going to say a prayer together to ask Christ in your life and make it official. It's very important that you meet me up there. And we really make this official. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Just a moment before we go. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If there's somebody here, this was kind of your last hope. I mean, there's just really a, a spirit of depression and discouragement and possibly even suicide on you. Come let somebody pray with you. Walk toward the light. Don't be afraid of the light. That light is Jesus. Anything that's pushing you back, it's the devil. And he comes to steal, and kill, steal, kill, and destroy. And there's life here at this altar. So come. Pastor Nate, begin to sing. If you raise your hand for salvation, come over there. Anything else, they'll pray with you. If you just want to worship a little bit, let's sing through one time before Nick dismisses us. I've been called unworthy. Named by the voice of my shame and regret. But when I hear you whisper to lift up your head, I remember, oh God, you're not done with me. Cause I am redeemed You set me free So I'll shake off these heavy chains Wipe away every stain I'm not who I used to be I Oh, Lord. Well, our prayer team, they're going to remain around front. Hey, they'll be happy to pray with you about anything going on in your life. But if not, hey, you're free to be dismissed. And we look forward to seeing you guys next week. God bless you. Hope you have a great week. Because I am redeemed.